listeners, and thank you for returning to The Career Couch with Dr. Carolyn Friends, where our goal is to always support you and your organization in reaching your fullest potential. I am Carol Isom Barnes, the host of the show. We are returning today with Dr. Alexis Carrero as we continue our discussion on failure with this week's topic, Failing Forward. Last week, we talked about our careers and managing failure. And this episode, we are expanding that conversation to address how to fail successfully. Dr. Alexis Carrero is a business communications coach and consultant. Her mission is to transform lives by empowering people to find their voice and confidently share their ideas and stories with the world. Her clients include startup founders and C-suite executives that have worked at United Nations, HBL, and S&P 500 Company. She's no stranger to failure. She hosts a podcast on the Queen City Podcast Network called Fun with Failure that explores individual and organization resilience. And she is resilient. She has worked as a college professor, documentary filmmaker, motivational speaker, and voiceover director. She earned her PhD and began her teaching career at UT Austin in the Media Studies Department. She previously worked at Queens University, helping them implement a $5.75 million grant. You can learn more about her work and podcast at thepitchprof.com. Thank you for returning another week, Alexis. How's it going? Good. Thank you again. I'm so glad to be back. I really appreciate the conversation. All right. Absolutely. We talked uh, last week about not punishing yourself and failure being in the eye of the beholder. And oftentimes the other thing that I realize is that I think about is that people don't realize how close they are to success before they actually give up, which is sort of tragic if you think about it. And I've always heard that the difference between a person that's successful and one who is unsuccessful is that one of them didn't give up. Have you heard that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. 100%. And so how does one get that endurance to hang in there and not give up when things are looking a bit glum? Well, something that works for me is always reminding myself that whatever task I'm working on is probably going to take five times longer than I think it's going to take. I think we are wildly bad at underestimating how long things take to achieve I also think we so often only see the outcome of other people's work and we don't see or understand the process. That is so true. Of other people's work. Like think about, you know, the books that people, oh, someone just, someone I know just wrote a book. Oh, she just wrote a second book. But I don't see him or her up late until 2 a.m. writing or up early before their kids. That is so true which is one of the reasons I'm fun with failure in my podcast where I talk about the work involved and that I think one of the other reasons I started the podcast was that I, I think people crave hearing about the process. And I think people crave hearing about other people's failures because we're constantly bombarded by other people's success right? You go on Instagram, you go on social media, everyone is living their best life. We get the highlight reel of everyone else's life. And then we compare 
our worst to their best because we have the backseat backseat access to our own lives and we know how hard it was and we know you know how smart or dumb we are or good or bad we are right. things. but when we're comparing ourselves to others we only see what they're good at we only see the best of them so I think realizing it's like a duck sitting on the ocean or sitting on a lake right they just look so serene just floating on the lake and then you look under and their little feet are paddling like crazy I think when you go into, you know, whatever goal you have, you have to realize if you're comparing yourselves to others that everyone is paddling wildly underneath the surface and you have to appreciate that it's just going to take longer than you think. I think that's a great analogy and especially related to the process. Many years ago, back in the 90s, I went to uh, California and I sat on a lot of TV sets in, in the audience. And when I saw the process and one of the shows I sat on was uh, Frasier, for example, and that was like my favorite show. And I just wanted to go to California and I wanted to uh, see the audience made live. And I, I got there. And when I saw how many takes they had to do, it, just because, you know, you knew your line, but someone would mess up and you had to do it. And I thought, oh, my goodness, are you kidding me? It was quite the process to get a 20 minute episode because you figure the other 10 minutes are commercials. And so to get a 30 minute comedy show in 20 minutes, the time and the effort and the process that went into it and the number of takes, I thought I could never do this. I would lose it if I had to do one take 20 times. Yeah. Like my enthusiasm for that scene would diminish so much. I, I couldn't even fake it. And so there is an, you, you, I think you, you're correct that you do have to have an appreciation for the process and people do look at it and think, oh, they have this, they have that. And they don't understand, like you said, the duck that's sitting, you know, looking serene in the water, but they're paddling underneath. When people are looking at their failures, sometimes they'll step out there one time and then they'll give up instead of going back and continue to paddle their feet like the ducks that you describe, they don't take that into consideration that success may mean a lot more effort than you planned on. And I know you said five times more energy for you. I, I always kind of, if I'm doing something else, like, well, let me estimate like three times longer. You sure. know? So I kind of give it three times, but I, I, I get what you're saying. You know? Yeah, just longer. Whatever it is, yeah. double, triple it, whatever it is, it's, it will take longer. And then even when you get to that point, you still cannot stop because it goes back to you know what I was saying earlier, that the difference between the person that becomes success and the one who does not, it's not about who's the smartest person in the room. It's really about the person that stuck with it and gave it everything that they had and they didn't quit because sometimes you could be right at the brink of success and then you gave up and then you don't get there. Right. And I think the other thing that differentiates people is also their why, right? Like the intention behind what it is that they're doing. Simon Sinek, I think has a great book called start with why because we all want to, we want to do something. We all want to achieve something. We have a goal, right? But what, what's the why behind your goal? And if you can connect to the meaning behind it, then you're less likely to, to give up or quit when it gets difficult. 
right? So it's, you know, I work with a group recently about goal setting and how to achieve your goals and how do you set clear habits. And it's, there's also an article from something that I read and the question was like, what are you willing to suffer for? And it gets back to the root issue, right? Like, oh, it's January 1st. Everybody wants to lose weight, you know, but why do you want to lose weight? Oh, because you want to look good, you know, in the spring or whatever. It's like, yeah, okay, whatever. But you also want to eat chips and drink beer and watch football. You know, it's not enough of of a motivator. But if it's, no, I want to get in shape. I want to lose weight because... I want to give my body a fighting chance in case I get COVID. I want to live long enough to see my grandchildren graduate high school. I want to have a happy retirement with my partner or spouse. Those things are more likely to take root and to really help you stick it out to reach your goal. You know, for me, when I think about, um, you know, my mission with the pitch prop, when I work with clients right? To transform lives by empowering people to find their voice and confidently share their ideas and stories with the world. That's what helps me. It's not just, oh, I want to be successful. Uh, I need to pay my mortgage. I want to have enough to retire on. It's, I want to empower people to share their stories with the world. So I think if you can connect to your why and get to the much deeper, deeper level, that also will help you stick it out when times are lean, times are tight, and times are difficult. What does it mean to you to fail successfully? Again, it kind of goes back to my definition. I talked about it last week of failure. If you can learn from your mistakes and not just learn from your mistakes, but do better next time. You know, I think little kids might learn, right? Oh, I learned that it's bad to touch the hot stove, but then they go back and touch it again. (laughs) Like, it's not enough just to learn from it. You actually have to change your behavior. So I think that's, that's one way to look at it. Uh, And the other, the other thing, and I forget where I read this, if anyone listening knows, or wants to jog my memory, feel free to reach out. But it was about someone wrote about the stages of failure. And I think about working through the stages as a way to fail better or to fail more successfully. So the first stage is ability to fail. Check, 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 right? Everybody, I think everybody has that, right? We're all at stage one. We, we all have the ability. Two is the willingness to fail, right? So this sort of goes back to our conversation last week when it was, you know, do you want to stay in your comfy job and not actually risk anything and not be vulnerable and try hard? Or are you willing to fail? Are you willing to put yourself out there? Are you willing to be vulnerable to reach your goals? So that's the second stage, willing to fail. The third stage is look forward to failing. Now that is some next level Buddhist thinking, like I aspire, right? Like I am still at like one and two. I aspire to three. And I've interviewed a few people on on Fun with Failure on the podcast. And I ask, I usually always ask, do you like to fail? And nine times out of 10, you know, people say no. Well, but- for the person who was one out of 10, what was it about feeling that they love? Was it the learning? Was it cathartic? Yeah. So there were um, 
two people. One, Chris Elmore, he helped founded he helped found the uh, the Abbott Exchange uh, in Charlotte, and now it's like a billion dollar unicorn company. He loves to fail. In fact, I had a conversation with him. He was my first guest. It was my first episode. I had a conversation with him, and I told him about the topic. And as soon as he heard it, he's like, "Oh my god, can I please be on your show? I love talking about failure." And I was just like, yes, please come and talk to me about failure. And for him, it was every single time he failed. And he was talking about being a salesperson. He wanted to get better at sales. And every time he heard no, he was like, okay, that's an opportunity for me to do better next time. That's that's feedback for me to learn from. Uh, There was another person I interviewed, Greg Brown. He's an angel investor here in Charlotte. And he goes in and helps company figure out how to price their products and how to you know, improve their business processes to, to earn more profit. And when he was talking about pricing your products or services, he always said, if you're not hearing the word no, your price is too low. Hmm. And now, you know, when I, when I hear the word no, you know, like as, a, as someone who's selling her services, it's like, oh, God, you know, I failed. I didn't get that client. I didn't, you know, I didn't do something right. I should have done something different. But I got to my price point where it is now only after I started hearing no, because that's when I knew, okay, that's the, like, that's the max that I can charge. So I think it's very useful in that regard to think of, failure is just feedback, right? So that willingness, um, not just willingness, but looking forward to failing. It's like, okay, how far can I push this? How far can I go? Right. It's kind of how extreme athletes operate. Oh, there's a 10 foot wave. I want to surf a hundred foot wave. How far can I go? And so that I think if you can approach, if you can approach a particular situation with that sense of curiosity, and openness, uh, then you can move past just willing to fail to looking forward to fail. So that's the third stage. And then the fourth stage is, you know, fail big, fail faster. You know, how can you, and that I think has to do with organizational failure, right? How, as an organization, how quickly can you innovate and learn and then innovate, iterate, you know, um, towards success? I love that where you put it, seeing failure as feedback. It's, it's a paradigm shift. It's a different way of thinking about failure. And you really have to train your brain to really think that way. And so how can we train ourselves then to manage failure in that way? When we're so conditioned to think of failure in a different way, there's so much shame that's associated with failure. Yeah. So I think it's, it's kind of, you know, I think about it kind of like healthy eating, our culture, right, encourages us. You go to the grocery store, you go to a convenience store, it's like you just walk the periphery and it's just, or walk the aisles and it's just junk food, junk food at the checkout, junk food when you walk in, junk food, whatever. You have to be intentional when you go to the grocery store to not fall back into familiar patterns or to not fall back into kind of, you know, how the society wants us to eat or encourages us to eat. I think it's the same way with failure, right? Like when I experience it or I hear feedback that I, you know, don't want to hear or aren't super happy about hearing, I have to 
actively re reconfigure it in my brain, like, oh, what a wonderful opportunity for me, <laughs> right? Like, and it starts out kind of sarcastic. Like, again, this is not something that comes very naturally to me. I am, you know, I'm a beat myself to hell kind of person when I when I hear when I get critical feedback. So I've had to really practice. It's like a daily practice. Some people practice meditating. Some people practice yoga. I practice improving my relationship with failure. And it's when I keep it intentional and when I keep it in the foreground that, you know, I'm better able to handle it because it's not as big of a deal if it's part of my daily life, then Mm -hmm. I just don't think about it. And then a month from now, you know, experience failure. The other thing to keep in mind that, um, that again, Chris Elmore said on the first episode, and he was quoting someone, but I forget who he was quoting. So I'm just going to quote him. But one of my failure, one of my favorite failure quotes now that he said was, and I try to keep in mind and I encourage everyone to keep in mind is failure is an event, not a person. Mm -hmm. And that also helps me kind of shift like, oh, I just experienced an event, but it doesn't mean that I myself as part of my identity am a failure. Yeah. It just hurts so much, you know, because we're so conditioned to be the winner. Yeah. Conditioned to be number one. And I think one of the ways that we can train our, ourselves is really to accept that it happened. There's that acceptance in that process. And oftentimes people are unable to accept that they weren't number one or accept that things didn't go the way that they set out for them to go. Right. And, you know, and you really have to see it, like you said, see failure as feedback. We have to learn that it's feedback. We have to learn that there are a lot of positives in that failure before you kind of jump out there. Right. And I think, yeah, to your point, I think we always want to jump to the end, right? Like when, when you fail or you experience a failure, it's like, okay, I just want to get the lesson and move on. And it's like, but you kind of, and again, depending on the type of person, but the type of person I am, it's like, no, I actually need to process this, this a little bit. If I just kind of jump to the lesson and then move on, I'm not really honoring kind of the way that I'm feeling a little bit. So for me, I kind of have to be like, okay, just say it out loud. I'm embarrassed. I feel a little bit ashamed. I feel kind of stupid. I made some mistakes. Okay. But, and then it's what, how would you talk to a friend in this scenario? How would you show, what words would you use if your friend came to you and said, oh, you know, I missed out on a big client because I screwed up the pitch or I, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. How would you talk to a friend about it? How would you show up for a friend? And then show up for yourself like that, right? And kind of of do that. And then if you can work through that a little bit, right, then you can get to the other side, learn a lesson, then move on. So speaking of that, when we're t- what you're talking about to some degree is self-talk. So what kind of narratives, what type of self-talk should we have to pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off and accept failure? Yeah, I think that's part of it. Not understand that we're probably our own worst critics and that, yeah, how would you talk to a friend about this, right? If it was some goal you had that you didn't meet, what advice would you give to them? 
right? Are you capable of giving that to yourself? Are you capable of applying that to yourself? Now, of course, there are different levels, right? I would say um, not everything, not every failure is fun. There are catastrophic failures that require that, you know, have trauma associated with it. I'm not talking about that type of failure, but just, you know, I set a goal for myself that I didn't reach. Can you ask yourself, like, why didn't I reach it? What are, what are some things that I could have done differently? Did I show up and really try? Was my fear, did my fear of failure hold me back? Am I afraid of actually, am I afraid of success? Right? Is that something that I'm dealing with? Because sometimes there are these other underlying causes that we really haven't addressed that might be preventing us from reaching our goals. So working through that. And then in terms of, I don't know if this counts as self-talk, but I interviewed uh, a woman named Samantha C. Smith. She's an entrepreneur here in Charlotte. And she actually has a failure formula. She said, I have a, I have a formula that I use to figure out, you know, how much time do you allow myself to be upset when I failed? And as a nerd, I thought, oh my God, please give me a formula, a failure formula. Uh, so that I know how to deal and how much time I can spend on every failure. And I, I think I'll have to go back and listen to the episode, but I, it was something like for every year, like from the date. So let's say, you know, it's today's date. Picture a year from now. A year from now, are you going to be upset and ruminating about the failure or the mistake that you made today? If the answer is yes, one year from now, you get 10 minutes. You get 10 minutes to feel bad. If it's two years from now and you're still going to be thinking about the mistake you made today, you get 20 minutes. So it's like 10 minutes per year. And what I find so fascinating about that is that it really kind of puts mistakes and failure into perspective because there are so many things that we might experience on a daily or weekly or monthly basis that deep down, like, you know, you're not going to remember a year from now and the other people associated with aren't really going to remember a year from now anyway. You said something embarrassing or you left your Zoom on when you shouldn't have or whatever it is. Why are you beating yourself up? It sounds like she was saying, allow yourself time to grieve. Yes. Recognize that, yes, this event happened. Grieve over it. Put it in a box. Recognize that it's not the final destination. It was the stepping stone along the journey, but it's not something that you want to lay down with for the rest of your entire life. It's okay to get upset. It's okay to be disappointing. We're disappointed about it, but the goal is to not stay there in that place is what I hear in her formula. Yes. Yeah. And I just thought it was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. If it's, if it's a big enough deal that a year from now, it will still weigh on your heart. Yeah. Spend some time with it. Try to process it, but don't hang it around your neck for the next 24 hours or the next 24 weeks right? It's an appropriate, give, give it the appropriate amount of mourning or reflection and then move on, keep going. 
Yeah. And I know some people will say, oh, forget about it. Forget about it. Well, and I don't necessarily think that's great advice. I think you acknowledge, will acknowledge it, accept it, grieve over it, and then move on. Not just, you know, it happened, move on. I, I think you have to have sort of a grieving period. And again, it's that it, I think it depends on the type of failure. Right? True. Because there's some failures that are really big. I mean, I think about if you're the president of the United States and you have an affair with the aide and it's a public event, that's a major mistake that's going to probably carry your whole legacy, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, we can't stop obstacles from appearing in life, but we can choose how we handle them. They may block our vision temporarily, but if we persevere, then we can discover opportunities that have always been waiting for us on the other side. As we get more, comfortable with the process. We enable ourselves to see the positive side and even the toughest situations. Alexis, is there anything that you want to add to this conversation before we conclude part two? For me, it's just working through those stages of failure, right? The ability to fail, the willingness to fail, look forward to failing and to fail faster. If you can get to the willingness and the looking forward to it and, and in the absence of punishment, but in search of knowledge and understanding that failure is feedback, you're going to be fine. This concludes part two of our discussion on feeling forward with Dr. Alexis Carrero. Alexis, how can the listeners contact you? Sure. You can, um, I'm on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Alexis Carrero or at the pitch prof or at fun fail podcast. And if you want to contact me via email, it's, Info at thepitchprof.com. Alexis, thank you for making this a wonderful episode. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thanks so much. It's been great. I am Carol Isom Barnes. Listeners, I appreciate your emails and support, which comes from all continents. As always, I can be reached at carol at experienceleadership.com. You can also visit my website at experienceleadership.com to learn about career and organizational support. And in the words of Thomas Edison, remember, great success is built on failure, frustration, and even catastrophe. Have a great day and remember to fail forward. Thank you. Thank you.